So we've made it to the end of 2022, and this podcast really took off this year. We went from just a guy talking into his earbuds and iPhone to a recording studio with an outside producer. And that is all thanks to you, our listeners, and to our sponsors. I love getting your emails and messages, and I respond to all of them as soon as I can. Many of you have sent me very kind words, and your messages come from all over the world, all the way from Spain, the UK, and beyond. So the way for me to thank each and every one of you and show my appreciation is with a few gifts. So with that being said, let's start this episode of They Disappeared, Behind the Curtain, the last episode of 2022. So my first gift to you is a look behind the curtain at They Disappeared. Now, if any of you have ever thought about making a podcast or what goes into it, this may give you an idea of what can go wrong. It isn't always easy to speak freely into a microphone. In fact, it can be really difficult. Now, I want to preface this segment by assuring you that we take every missing person case very seriously. But at the same time, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So here's a look behind the curtain with a small collection of my screw-ups. And FYI, there's quite a few swear words. We're in the Stone Ages compared to what crime scene technician... technicians. The Collier County Sheriff's Office had initially denied requests that guy. An internal infest... For fuck. And reported Terrence is missing. <coughs> fuck. Calkins was asked to summarize his... Fucking asked. And to respond to the... But, uh, fuck. I am just fucking this thing up. Continue to baffle for the... the, the, the fuck. That if tested, could it have been a fuck? At 9.30 am... God damn it. 38-year-old... Shit. Our story continues on... God damn it. 38-year-old... Shit. Our story picks back up on February 6th to... Approximately 300 yards from the Rish residence. Rish residence... For putting it in the, 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 the January 24th report out of e- Son of a bitch. Forensic. Forensic. That make up much of the. Fuck. Calkins was asked to summarize. Hey everybody, lately it's been a struggle for me to create content for this podcast. Just with everything I have to get to in a single day, life and work can create challenges that can throw any one of us off balance, and I'm no exception. And because of that, I'm always looking for products that can provide a cognitive edge to keep my mind in that free flow state where focus and energy over an extended period of time is necessary. Well, recently, I just started using a product called Magic Mind. It's a small shot of natural nootropics and adaptogens that improves physical and mental endurance while enhancing mental clarity and increasing your body's resistance to stress. I drink a shot of it in the morning and the results last an entire day. And I don't get any of the anxious or jittery side effects that come with caffeine. 
So if you want to give this life hack a try, go to www.magicmind.co slash disappeared and plug in my code disappeared20. That's disappeared, the number two and the number zero. That code is good for 20% off of a one-time purchase and the link and code are in the show notes and there's a money back guarantee. So you literally have nothing to lose and everything to gain just by trying it. Now, this wouldn't be an episode of They Disappeared without a missing person story. So we'll close out 2022 with a story that's quite possibly been pulled straight out of science fiction. Picture yourself having just entered a dark room, where the only light source is the soft orange glow from a crackling fire in an old stone fireplace. Each wall of the room has shelves that start at the floor and end at the ceiling, and each shelf contains rows of books. But the spine of each book is blank. Situated in front of the fireplace are two large back chairs, the kind that you can comfortably sink into when you sit in them. It's only after you sit down that you see that there is someone else sitting in the other chair. The darkness and low light prevent you from seeing their face. But what you do see is that they have a book in their lap. It's only after you are fully relaxed and comfortable that the book is opened and the following story is told. Let's travel back to the year 1954, when Dwight Eisenhower was the President of the United States. During an era when you could buy a modest home for $10,000, when the median annual income was $4,000 and gas only cost 29 cents a gallon. Household names like John Travolta and Denzel Washington would be born. Pop icons Marilyn Monroe would marry Joe DiMaggio and a 19-year-old Elvis Presley had just started his music career. It was a different time and a different world. It's also the world in which our story takes place. It was in July of that year that a businessman stepped off of an airplane in Tokyo, Japan, and would soon become the focus of a long-told mystery. The man, who was unnamed, but for the sake of this story we will call him John, would proceed through customs as was required on all international flights. And that procedure is where this ordinary story suddenly gets weird and mysterious. Because as customs officials would soon discover, John was about to claim and show them he was from a place that didn't exist. John would later be described by officials as a well-dressed male Caucasian who spoke fluent Japanese and therefore was able to effectively communicate with customs agents. As was instructed, John produced his passport, and although it was an official-looking document, complete with actual prior visa entry stamps into Japan, it had been issued by the government of the country of Tored, a place that did not exist. When asked why he had come to Japan, John indicated he was there for business, 
identifying both the company he was there to meet and the hotel he would be staying at. Officials contacted the company and hotel to confirm John's story. However, reps for that business had never heard of John and had no business meetings scheduled that week. In the hotel John said he would be staying at, had no reservation for him. Customs agents, now suspicious of John and his intentions, contacted Japanese government officials who instructed custom agents to detain him and seize all of his belongings. Now, John was about to face off with the strong arm of a government that would ignore his rights to get to the truth. There would be no good cop or bad cop. It would be all bad cop in the small room that John was marched into. He was sat down in front of official agents who would not tolerate a story they could not verify. John insisted he was telling the truth. Despite impatient agents telling him the country of Tored he claimed to be from did not exist. To lock John into a statement, agents laid out a map of the world in front of him. It was complete with all continents, countries, oceans, and seas. It is said then that John was confused at first, pointing to Andorra, which is a principality in Europe that borders France and Spain. He would say that the map was accurate, but some of the names of the countries and oceans were not. Convinced now that John was hiding something, either as a spy or criminal, government officials instructed agents to hold him overnight and to keep him detained until immigration officials could determine who he was. John was brought to a nearby hotel and put in a room on one of the top floors with two guards outside his door. Until agents knew who John really was, he would not be allowed to go anywhere. But that didn't mean he couldn't go somewhere. What was reported next is that the following morning when agents entered John's room, he was gone. Inexplicably, he had disappeared from a room with only one way in and out that was guarded, and because of the floor his room was on, the windows were fixed closed and could not be opened. So John, the businessman, a man who claimed to be from a country that didn't exist, had now mysteriously vanished from an inescapable room. There is both skepticism and speculation surrounding this story. Skepticism tells us this is a fictional story as it is missing key details and depending on which version of the story is told, certain aspects are embellished. Some of those embellishments include that John was wearing unusual clothes and he was able to speak four languages, one of which was unknown. One version indicates that John had money on him that did not resemble any known currency. And then there's speculation. Many believe this story is a fictionalized version of an actual incident involving a man named John Zegris, who was detained in Japan in 1960 with fabricated documentation, including a fake passport. It would turn out that John Zegris was in fact a spy for the United States and South Korea, 
and had a Korean wife, which would in part explain his ability to speak different languages. After his detainment, he was sentenced to one year in a Japanese prison where he would attempt to commit suicide. He would survive that attempt and serve out his sentence. And after his release, he would be deported to Korea. But what happened to him after that is mostly unknown. But if you choose to speculate beyond that, you may believe the online urban legends, which paint John as an unwilling interdimensional traveler who had somehow crossed over some unseen barrier meant to prevent such an incident from occurring until the forces of time and space self-corrected to pull him back where he belonged. It's stories like these that require us to pause our critical thinking, especially when we're taking a look behind the curtain. Thank you all for listening. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you all in the new year. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate us on your listening platform. That really helps us continue to grow. Thank you again, and until next time.